Good morning, Twelves, and welcome to the Seahawks 360 Podcast, a sports ethos production. I'm your host, Candace Hagens, and as always, it is a pleasure to talk Hawks with you. We got a lot to get into it today. The NFL officially released the schedule for the Seahawks, and so there's a lot to get into. I'll make some predictions, a lot to talk about, but before we do that, before we get into the predictions, we got to talk about some assumptions that I've made in order to get to my prediction. I'll give you my prediction here in a minute, but before we get there, I got we got a few things to talk about just so we can you can understand what went into my mindset and some of the things that I'm thinking will happen about the season before uh, we get into official production. So, lots to get into. Let's do it. So, like I said, before we get into it, let's talk about the things that I assume will take place in order to get the, the record prediction. These things need to happen in order for my uh, record prediction at the end of the year to happen. And so if these things don't happen, then that throws my record off the table. But this is sort of my mindset and how I expect the year to go very early, way too early. I'll do another one of these predictions after we go through the preseason. But for right now, these are the assumptions that I'm making going into the year. So my first assumption is that the, de- the new defensive system will work and that the defense will be above average coming into the season. As you all know, that's been a real problem for this defense. This, de- this defense for the past two years has started off at a historically bad rate, historically bad, allowing 400 plus yards for you know, the first five, six games in a row, um, which has broken NFL ec- records in a bad way. And so it's going to be more important than ever for the Seahawks to have any chance of winning any games for this defense to start off strong. They cannot afford to do what they've done in the past. Russell Wilson is not here to erase those mistakes. The only reason why the Seahawks had a winning record during those historically bad games that the Seahawks played the first half of the year was because Russell Wilson started off playing at a historically high rate, um, especially in 2012. Especially in 2020, Um, he was just playing at an MVP type level at that point. And so that won't exist this upcoming season. And I think that is sort of Pete Carroll's thinking when he got a lot of the veterans on this team. So he brought back Quandre Diggs, brought back Al Woods. Um, You still got Puna Ford. And so they've sort of kept some continuity. Sidney Jones, they brought back. They still got some continuity within the defense, even though it is a new defensive system. And I know you're wondering, Candace, really, it's a new defensive system. Don't you have to be patient? Don't you have to give it time? And to some extent, you'd be right, right? In normal circumstances, I would actually have little expectations because it's a new defensive system. But keep in mind a couple of things that keep me optimistic that they'll be able to hit the ground running. One of them is that they started making a lot of these changes. So I mentioned earlier that they started off bad, they had a bad year to start. They started off the year, I think, one of the first teams to to give up over 400 yards in five games straight in NFL history. So um, they bad start, right? They ended up be- being able to fix those things and become a much better defense as the season went on because they started instilling the principles that are the foundation for this new defensive system. So a lot of the three, four concepts, they started playing man more. They just started doing a lot of the things that 
uh, Sean Desai was brought in to do or, or to sort of enhance, but they already started doing this. So it's not new to the players. They're your veterans like Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, who I named earlier, um, Jordan Brooks, any of them, it's not new to them. They've already done it to some extent and it's worked. Now what they're doing is getting one better personnel to fit the system, which is always going to be a plus and enhance the performance of how the system can work. Anyway, if you don't have the personnel for a scheme, it just doesn't work as well. So they, they got rid of some players who just didn't fit the new scheme that will help. They also brought in staff, defensive staff. They got rid of Kid Norton Jr., brought in Sean Desai. They also brought in Carl Scott, um, who was coming out of college. And, and these are guys, in addition to p- promoting Clint Hurt, these are guys who were more well-versed in the system, who can essentially teach it in a better way. Um, Sean Desai is known as a teacher. And so I think that's going to be very have a positive impact on the ability. If they got a better teacher, if they got somebody who understands the ins and outs, the intricacies of the scheme, I think that gives them a huge chance of being able to put their best foot forward and start out strong for the first time in in two years. Another reason why I don't think they struggle, I've sort of hinted at it earlier. Although this is a young sort of rebuilding team, the defense has a lot of veterans. And like I said, I think that was intentional by Pete Carroll. So go back and you think about it. I've named some of them. You got at every, at every level of the defense, there's at least one veteran for your safeties. You got Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. It said, I know Jamal Adams is young, but he's, he's in his, into his second contract. Now he's young, but he's also a veteran, especially compared to some of the younger players that we bringing in Are you at the cornerback position, Sidney Jones, they brought him back and sure. Trey Brown, um, he's young, so he's a he'd be in his second year. So we don't he'll still be have a lot to learn from. He'll be competing with probably Kobe Bryant. Um, and that'll be a young person. But at your linebacker position, you got Cody Barton, who's in the fourth year um of, of being on the Seahawks, Jordan Brooks. Both of them got both of them actually got a pretty good amount of playing time, particularly even Cody Barton because of the injury of Bobby Wagner. So he did get to play some and get acclimated in the system and the changes that they were making at the end of last season. And then your front line. So Shelby Harris is a veteran and he's coming from a similar system. This, the system that Sean Desai ran is a system that Nick Fangio ran. So they're one off to another. So even though he's new to the team, he's not new to the scheme. Yeah. Bars. Okay. And so, uh, so then we've got Puna Ford, who we know is a veteran in, the, in this, in this team now to be looked at as a leader. And Al Woods um, is the most senior, uh, he's the most senior of veteran on this team, but I think they've got enough continuity. These players have played together now for some time even. And so I think they've got all the tools that they need to start out strong. And that's exactly what I expect them to do. So Moving on, the next assumption that I'm going to make is that Geno Smith will be the starting quarterback. That is my assumption. I've made my predictions for the season on Geno Smith at starting quarterback. Now, let's talk about this because I know it's controversial, and I know probably most of you guys listening disagree with me. A lot of people to this point feel like Drew Locke is the assumed starter. 
I'll tell you why I don't think that's the case. So the first main indication that I got that Gino might very well be the starter over Drew Locke, and I'll tell you, I didn't really feel strongly about this until I heard these comments. Pete did an interview on March 22nd, and he said this is before they signed Gino, but he says even then, if they re-sign Gino, Gino will already have an advantage. He'll be out in front of the other guys, was the quote, because of his experience and knowledge of the playbook. That's a given, right? And so to me, I found that particularly interesting because Pete Carroll is one who generally doesn't, especially that early, like to give way to who's going to win. He's all about competition, right? That's that's Pete's whole mantra. He's got an entire culture football team built around it. Competing is his mantra. And he typically, when he's not sure about these things, Pete will wait. People very often wait until maybe we might give might not give indications until the very end. I know with the uh, the battle at center last year, which, which was supposed to be between Ethan Pokic and Kyle Fuller before Pokic got hurt, is that he had no indication. I mean, he just kept saying, "There's two are going to battle it out. We're just going to see uh, who wins it in the end. We'll make a decision off of off of what we see in training camp." That's typically how Pete does most competitions. It's it's really rare that he'll go out and kind of announce someone as having an advantage in general because he's huge on competitions and Pete will give anybody a chance. This is a team that has been one of the best in terms of taking on even undrafted players because they really don't care about anything other than who can who can show themselves to be the best through competition. So for him to say that outright, instead of just Gino's going to have a great chance to compete, because let's be honest, that's a much more Pete Carroll phrase. If Gino comes back, he's going to have a great opportunity to compete here. Right. He didn't say that. And so to me, that's one indication and probably my strongest indication that Gino will likely end up being the starter week one. Some will say that's a jump. I understand that you might say, oh, well, well, Gino, it's. 32 years old, right? Gino was old and Drew Locke is just 25 and he's got so much upside and Gino and, and Drew Locke had a lot of obstacles against him. And he did. That's not to take away from Drew Locke. I know he had a lot of obstacles against him. I pushed back a little bit on that narrative because when we talk about Drew Locke and him having obstacles, obstacles against him, I'm not questioning that he's, that he's had challenges. I mean, he has. That, that's obvious he's had coordinator changes, that coach changes, that system changes, and all in the middle of COVID, right? So not taking away the fact that that's true. What I wonder is how his situation this year is that dramatically different from anything that he's experienced in the past to make this the right opportunity and the right time for him to put it all together. I'm not saying Drew Lapp can't put it together. I just wonder if this is the best circumstance for him to, for him to really beat out Gino with Gino already having the experience of the playmaking, I mean, the playbook and, and the experience running the team, the chemistry with the, with the wide receivers, all of that. So let me explain. Uh, when, when Pete Carroll first talked about the Russell Wilson trade, the initial uh, press conference that they did discussing the, the Russell trade and Drew Locke, and they sort of talked about those opportunities that, that he's been under a defensive-minded head coach, 
and he's had a new offensive coordinator every year. And I hear that and I go, well, isn't that exactly what he will experience as member of the Seattle Seahawks? Nick Vangio, the, the coach he had under under before, that was a defensive head coach, right? And Pete Carroll is very much so a defensive-minded coach. So he still doesn't have the benefit of an offensive-minded coach to sort of coach him up in that way. And he's still got a new offensive coordinator because he's changing teams. Now, the only caveat is this system is more similar to the system that he played in his rookie year, which he felt more comfortable in and thrived in. And that's worth mentioning. But I just don't know if still, when you're talking about Drew Locke, the biggest thing for him is decision-making, decision-making and leadership. And I think that's those are two things that are hard to overcome, particularly if you're not surrounded with an offensive-minded coach. That's just really hard because when you look at it from both decision-making and leadership, Gino knows now. He's much better at his decision-making. He proved that. Now, he only started with three games for the Seattle Seahawks. It's not – we now have a large – sample size here we don't I'm not going to pretend like we do like we've seen him for a whole season but in those three games he showed he can be a good decision maker he almost had a slip up here and there but he made sound decisions he was a solid back for you he kept not back he's a solid quarterback for you he kept you in the game that's Drew Locke's problem he will shoot you he'll throw you out of the game basically by making these super aggressive super uh super challenging passes and often ill-advised passes that he'll throw. And to overcome that, it's part of mindset. Who's going to get him out of that mindset? I'm not sure Pete Carroll's the right person, the right coach to do that, to help him do that for one. And two, when it comes to the leadership, I do think Drew Locke will be improved in his leadership quality. I just think the new environment, the culture of the Seahawks, I think all of that will positively influence him. But that's going up against the respect that the teammates already have for Geno Smith, for sticking it out, for staying ready all those years. And when Russell Wilson went down, being able to really he didn't carry the team by any means, but he played this role. He kept the team in and he did everything that they needed him to do. And I, and the, the players have talked about how much respect they have for Gino because he, because he did that. And now this is his chance. And so the team has sort of rallied around Gino in a way uh, really happy for him getting this opportunity. And that's, that's a lot to compete with is all I'm saying. I just don't think that this situation is the most advantageous if Drew Locke is really going to make a turn as a franchise quarterback. Now, he does have offensive weapons, but his issue with the Broncos was never that he didn't have offensive weapons. It was just that he didn't have the system, the environment, and the coach to sort of help him help him take advantage of those weapons. And I just don't think that he has that now. So that's one. Well, that's two. The third reason I feel like Gino will ultimately be the starting quarterback week one is because you got to look at history under the Pete Carroll and John Snyder era. Pete's never been one to to go with upside at the quarterback position necessarily. He's really looking for a game manager. And Drew Locke may learn to be a game manager, but that's not exactly his game. That's just not how... That's not his instinct, right? And so even the best version of Drew Locke, I'm just not sure if that fits in with what Pete Carroll really wants. I know he wants the explosive arms and the ability to make plays on the field. Gino has proven he can do that. He, he, him and DK had a great chemistry. In fact, 
Corbin Smith mentioned this on Twitter. I give him his credit here. He mentioned that Geno Smith was the only quarterback in the NFL with five or more quote unquote big time throws off of play actions in less than 50 attempts. In 22 passes, he had five or more big throws. So he's got an arm. He has an arm. To compare Geno to Russell Wilson, Geno had eight big passes, but he had 104 attempts. So that's a really big difference between us. So Geno was able to still make big throws, but really more often and, and under pressure at that because the whole line was not – it was not – that that good as we know and so that gives me confidence that that is exactly what Pete Carroll's looking for the ability to make big throws but to manage the game also what did he what has he done in the past before Russell Wilson when you look back at it who were the quarterbacks Tavarius Jackson <laughs> Charlie Whitehurst he went with veterans he went with veterans. Pete prefers vets. And I know you can say, look at the upside of Drew, and you can say that all day, and you can say he's got much more potential. But listen, I just don't think that's what they're looking for. I think for Pete Carroll and John Snyder, both seem to view it as this. Either they're 100% sure that you're the franchise guy, or they prefer a stopgap option. That's how they view it. It's how they played it in the past. They need to be one. They're not they're not really willing to take a chance or risk or invest capital, as they proved by not drafting a quarterback this year. They're not really willing to invest that just to be trying something. They're not really willing to try something just to try it. They want options. They want competition, which is why Drew Locke is on the Seahawks, because they want competition. They always wanted Geno back. They indicated that even in the press conference announcing the trade of Russ and getting Drew. Right. And so when you look at that, they prefer they prefer bits. And I know for a lot of you, that's disappointing news to hear. I understand it. It's not as flashy, but that's just not I don't think that's what Pete Carroll, John Snyder have ever indicated. I've never heard them when talking about a quarterback talk about upside. Russ Russell Wilson as a rookie was really special, obviously, in order to get the opportunity that early because they, you know, I'm not even sure I mentioned them talking about his upside. They talked about his command of the game, his leadership, his work ethic, his comp- his competitive drive. I mean, those are all things that they were talking about. They weren't really talking about his upside and his potential like that. I mean, they knew he could be something great, but that they, they just seemed to emphasize the other aspects, particularly his leadership more than, than the other things. So I think that is an adif- disadvantage to Drew. Now, I do think they'll give him every opportunity to, com- to compete. So just because I'm saying I think Gino will start doesn't mean that I don't think they split reps. I absolutely think they split reps. Drew like may even get more reps in training camp just so they could see what he can do more. But I just think in the end, it's going to come down to experience because Pete Carroll's already expressed they're not looking at this as a rebuilding. I'm not sure I personally agree with that premise or that I think that's the best route to go, but they don't view it as a rebuild. They view it as they're trying to win games now. And if you're trying to win games now, as many games as you can, you're going to pick the quarterback to put you in the best position. They're not looking at the long term for who can give them the most benefit in the long run because they're trying to win as many games they can this year. So I think that that plays a part too. And my last thing that I think 
puts Gino at the top. And 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 I'll and I'll be honest, I'm not as high on Drew Locke as others are. I'll just admit that I'm not. And so that plays a part in in my logic too, because my last thinking is that Pete Carroll hates turnovers. And Drew Locke is known as a turnover machine. Most people think Drew Locke is a bad quarterback because he throws interceptions and he makes bad decisions. Too aggressive, puts the ball in harm's way. That's the opposite of everything that Pete Carroll stands for. He'll cut the reins or bench you so fast if you can't take care of the football. And I just don't have the confidence. Going back to my number one reason with him having a defensive-minded coach, I just don't think that he'll be able to change it that fast. We're talking about one offseason, right? One offseason. I'm not sure he's able to change and break those habits permanently to to really outbeat or to really beat out Gino. Gino doesn't really turn over the ball. I mean, I think he he's gonna, I think he's gonna get you some interceptions, but he's not at all, he didn't all put the ball in harm's way like Drew Locke does. And so ultimately I think that'll be to his disadvantage. So with all that said, those are my main assumptions, right? I think the defense will be strong and I think Gino will I expect Gino to manage the game, to make short, quick throws, which actually complements the Waldron offense probably more than Russell Wilson did, to be honest. Russell Wilson holds onto the ball, and this is a timing scheme. Um, it's really based upon, you know, quick, quick game, intermediate game. It's a big part of it, and that's not necessarily Russell's game. It's more Geno's. So I think he makes quick passes. I think he can still be a threat down the field, still takes advantage of his weapons with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett when the play calling allows. I do feel like that won't be that often, not because Geno can't, but just because no matter who the quarterback is, I don't expect them to incorporate. I expect it to look like those three weeks did with Russell Wilson out where they didn't, the play didn't call for deep throws too often. So anyway, I expect that. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll throw in one more assumption. I'm assuming that that Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker III will be your running backs one and two. I think if they try to hold on to Carson, I'm not sure Carson can be running back one. I'm not sure he can really beat out Penny at this point. But if they got Penny is, is running back one, Carson is running back two, and they make Kenneth Walker the third running back three, I think you you lose a lot of production. I think Kenneth Walker has the opportunity to really make a positive impact on this offense. I think he could potentially be a rook, uh, offensive rookie of the year candidate potentially if he can get the get the reps, if he can get the touches. He's that kind of guy. He led the he led college football in broken tackles, so he can be really explosive. And we already see what Rashad Penny can do. So you can get a healthy Penny and a healthy. Kenneth Walker third, I think that dramatically helps the offense, not just well, opens up the passing game a little bit more because they're going to try to be stopping the run, but also I think it helps with the, with the struggles that the Seahawks have had with third down conversions. We know that third down conversions have been a real problem. And part of it has been just that running backs have been unhealthy. Maybe they run, but they're short a yard or two, you know, just, just not able to get, um, down to get to get a, to convert the first down. I think if you got a dynamic running game like a one-two punch that Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker the third can be, that's a recipe to keep you on the field longer. That's a recipe to get touchdowns. So I expect them to be able to score points more through the running game because of the running backs that they have. 
like I said, assuming Penny stays healthy, assuming they either cut or degrade. I, if you want to degrade them, I think you should just cut them. I, I think they should cut Chris Carson. I don't think he makes it out of camp. But I think if you do that, that puts you in the best position as well to be able to get points on the board, even if Gino isn't able to throw you, spe- you know, special moon balls like, you know, Russell Wilson was able to do. So those are my assumptions going into the year. Those are my assumptions. Now, let's get into the schedule. Week one is a home game versus the Broncos. We all know that the NFL wanted to kick off uh, with the return of Russell Wilson. It will be a uh, a good game to see, but I think it's not even really close. I think that the uh, the Bronco that the Broncos win this one. I think the Seahawks lose. I just hope they don't lose in embarrassing fashion. To be honest, I just don't think they have enough to overcome Russ. We all know Russ typically starts out strong. Now, where Russ ends at the end of the year, it's sometimes debatable. But week one, Russ is going to be sharp. It's a new offensive system, sure. But I think I think they've made it kind of to come kind of complement his game. So he'll be fine, and they'll beat us. It'd be nice. Now, I'll say this: I wish I could say. The Seahawks would beat Russ because that would be, quite frankly, amazing. I just, I'm realistic and I just don't think it's going to happen. So um, I got us 0 1. Then I got us into week two. We go to San Francisco to play the 49ers. I actually have us winning that game for a couple of reasons. I think one, Pete Carroll has run circles around Kyle Shanahan for whatever reason. He's just got Kyle Shanahan's number. I don't think they have the explosive weapons that they used to have, especially with a running game. I don't even know what that looks like this this year for them. And I also especially feel confident about the Seahawks being able to win this game if Trey Lance is playing. I just don't, you know, I I could be wrong still early. I I haven't seen a lot from him for me to be afraid of. And if it's Geno Smith versus Trey Lance, I just feel like Geno can, can win that. Even if it's Jimmy G, though, the Seahawks have proven that they know how to beat him. Now, that's generally with Russell. So maybe I'm not as confident about that pick if they have Jimmy G still and he's still the starter. But I think that uh, either way, I'm going to go with the win. I'm going to be optimistic. I think Seahawks can pull that out. So I got a one-on-one going into week three against the Falcons. And I just think the Falcons don't have much gas. The only thing that they've got going for them is I know Desmond. I don't know if Desmond Ritter will be starting week three. I'd be surprised if he did. I think they got Marcus Mariota for a reason. Now, Desmond Ritter may start later, but just with him, people knowing that he was a quarterback that needed to be sort of polished before he came in, I just think a week three uh, start would be pretty early in the season for that. And so I think it's Marcus Mariota, and the only offensive weapon that I know they have right now is Kyle Pitts. Their wide receiver room is pretty much decimated. And so uh, they bet all, they pretty much had everything on Calvin Ridley, and Calvin Ridley will not be playing. So um, I think Seahawks can win that one at home, especially. All right. So week four against the Lions, I think that. They will win that game. Some people have that as a loss. I know that the Lions will be an improved team, so I'm not taking the Lions for granted. Note that. But P. Carroll's always known how to take advantage of the weaknesses of Jared Goff. Prove that with the Rams. Um, I'm not sure that we blow the Lions out. I think that it may be a close competitive game, but I think that uh, – Especially if this is Geno, this goes back down to my predictions and my assumptions. If this is Geno, Jared Goff can 
put the ball in harm's way, just like just like Drew Locke can. And so this is a Geno. I think that's the difference. I think that Geno can take care of the ball. We've got the run game. They will have better defenders and hopefully better run defense. But I just don't think it's enough to stop um, what what we would have on offense. We do have offensive weapons. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Um, and like I said, the running back room. So, and we got Noah Fan as a tight end. If we use our tight ends more, a lot of offensive weapons to work with. I think it's just too much for the Lions to overcome, even though it's a road game. All right. So then I've got us now, that's three games in a row that I've got us winning. And I actually got us going in and winning four games in a row. So I say we win as well in the Superdome against the Saints. Now, this one was a little tricky. It was a hard, it was, this is optimistic. This is hard for me to make. But I'll tell you my logic. You go, Candace, you're going to the Superdome. Why are you just being optimistic? That's unreasonable. It's unreasonable to expect to win against this game. I mean, we lost last time we played the Saints. I understand that we lost at home the last time we played the Saints last year, and it was Geno versus Jameis Winston, a preview of what I think we will look at this year. But I'll tell you, the Seahawks could have won that game. A critical field goal was missed. A critical field goal was missed. And I think that turns the tide of the game completely. And so I'll just put it out there. I mean, even if that field goal is made, maybe the Seahawks lose that game anyway. But Geno had it. It was an opportunity to win. And just special teams couldn't couldn't, couldn't pull it out. And so I think with a game that close, and they already know the tendencies of Jameis Winston and, and, and all of that, I, I think that they have a chance to – I think they'll probably go in and, and win. I think it's close. Maybe it goes to overtime, but I think that the Seahawks have enough winning culture. So keep in mind, too, I know when you look at the quarterback situation, it makes you not optimistic about anything about this team. But Pete Carroll has never had a season that he lost more than seven games. He's still a winning culture, a competitive culture, and the players are bought into that system. And so I think that they they won't view themselves as a lesser opponent. I think they go in with some juice behind them. Um Probably a little upset that they lost that last Saints game last year, which was a winnable game for sure. All right. So to this point, I got us four and one, which nobody would think that that would be the case. But I, I really think, I actually think it starts out a pretty light, a relatively light schedule with the exception of the Broncos game and the 49ers who play us close, but we've always played against them historically well. It's really not a, a really it's not a gauntlet here of quarterbacks that we're facing at this point. And so that, that has a lot to do when you look at the quarterbacks we'll be playing outside of Russell Wilson versus the quarterbacks that we'll have. I just feel like there's a chance to compete really. Um, I know that four and one is hard to imagine. Like I said, looking at that quarterback room, but you just got to look at who the quarterbacks were playing up against. Now here's when I know some of you guys will say, I'm just crazy. All right. I got us winning the home game against the Cardinals. I got us winning that one. I'll tell you why it's not. It's really uh, it's simple. DeAndre Hopkins will be gone. And, Kyle, and Kyler Murray has proven that when he does not have a, I know they'll have Marquise Brown, call it me just not taking him as seriously as an offensive threat. I know he was on the Ravens. It didn't necessarily showcase their wide receivers that much, but I just, I'm not sure. I, I think our defense will be good. And I'm not, I think that the defense will be able to take care of one wide receiver. To be honest, I think they'll be able to t- take them out of the game or contain Brown in the game um, quite a bit. I know Murray is hard to get, and I do worry a little bit about 
will they be able to keep contained? But there's there's veterans on that D line, like I said, Al Woods, Puna Ford, uh, Shelby Harris. They got uh, Daryl Taylor is new and who also is pretty. He's not exactly a veteran, so I, so I worry a little about defensive contained, but or oh sorry, QB contained, but. I think all in all, they'll be able to handle them. This will be the last week before DeAndre Hopkins comes back. And the Cardinals have been very inconsistent. They've shown themselves to be two different teams. Normally, since Kyler's been drafted, they've started out pretty hot and fizzle out at the end of the year. I think because of the DeAndre Hopkins thing, my assumption is that they start out pretty bad and then they actually get hot to go towards to finish off the year. That's my thinking. I could be wrong. That's based completely around the fact that DeAndre Hopkins, you know, isn't there. And maybe I'm putting too much into that. But I think without that, we have the opportunity to compete because we do have, like I said, offensive weapons. And I am higher on Geno than other people might be. So five and one is what I have us to this point. The great start. I have us losing against the Chargers. I just don't think we can beat the Chargers. Justin Herbert, I think, will as good as the defense he is. I just think it's too much, uh, and especially it's at L.A. Then I think we come back home. We got a game against the Giants. I think we could take the Giants. We can win that game. I think we lose the following game against the Cardinals. I don't think we're that good where we can beat them twice. We always split against the Cardinals anyway, and I have reason to believe that that won't change. I could be wrong, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went 0-2 against the Cardinals, but I do think that they – they can split. So they'll lose that, that next game against the Cardinals. Then the international game takes place, the Bucks in Germany, which is really exciting. Uh, the Seahawks have a pretty big fan base in Germany. And so I think it'll be closer to a home game than, you know, others might imagine. I think there'll be a lot of Seahawks fans in the stands. But going up against Tom Brady, I just don't think it matters. <laughs> it's a good team. We're still able to retain a lot of their talent from that Super Bowl a run that they had, and so I think that's a loss, even though it's more of a home game. Lost in Germany, and then going to the bye week. Going into the bye week right now, six and four with the winning record, six and four. So the the Seahawks are going to the bye week feeling pretty good about where they are, really. They'll feel good about the opportunity to compete. And then I think it kind of falls apart from there. I don't think it matters much because then they're going over, uh, uh, they're going against a lot tougher uh, competition, a lot tougher quarterbacks. So out of the bye week, they'll play the Raiders at home. I think they lose that. I think Derek Carr and some of the changes that they made, them getting Devontae Adams especially, I just think that's too much to overcome. No way that they overcome that. So that's a loss. We got them losing to the Rams. We The Seahawks had a tough time with the Rams with Russell Wilson, and so I have absolutely no reason to believe they'll be able to beat the Rams without Russell Wilson. I do think they can pull out a win against the Panthers. Uh, that'll be a home game. And I think the the Panthers, their quarterback issues are about the same. <laughs> They're not uh they hadn't really found it. They hadn't really found their guy that that team is still developing. I think our roster is still better than theirs. And I I don't think Christian McCaffrey will be healthy at this point either. So that sort of factors into my decision. But even if he is, I just don't, I think our roster is just better on offense and on defense at this point. I think they, uh, they, we've always had the talent. And I think this time the Seahawks roster, their skill players will be able to, they'll be able to put it together to defense. And to some extent, the offense will be able to sort of have a little bit more balance to it than it's had in the past couple of years. 
I think we lose a, the game against the 49ers at home. I don't think we beat them twice. And so maybe it's that we lose that first one and then we win this one. But I think either way, we split with the 49ers. That's my thinking. We definitely lose at Arrowhead against the Chiefs. I don't think I have to explain that to anybody. That's a loss. It's just a scheduled loss. But I do think they'll come back versus the Jets. That's a home game. They'll come back home. They'll play the Jets. And they'll win that game. That the Jets are sneaky talented. So I, don't let me roll over the Jets. It will not be an easy win. I don't think it's going to be the blowout that, that, that you think on paper because the Jets have made They've had a really good offseason uh, with their, their acquisition of D- DJ Reed, who we know is an excellent um, cornerback. And he's going to – I'm not sure. I think he's going to want his revenge because he loved his time on the Seahawks still, but he just felt disrespected by the offer that they gave him. So they have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, which he always does, but even more so for this game. They've drafted well, and I think they're sort of putting a good team together. I don't. I think Zach Wilson might be better in year two, especially since they've put in a little bit more talent around him. I think they're sneaky good. I, they, I think the Seahawks can still come out with the win, but it'll be a close one. And I think they'll end out the year on a loss to the Rams. They don't, like I said, there's, I think the Rams, they just beat us two times. There's no way that I think we have the talent to compete with uh, the defending Super Bowl champions. And so I've got us finishing out the year eight and nine, which I think is it's pretty good. I think, uh, like I said, Pete Carroll has never had a, had a team where he's lost more than seven games. I think that trend stands. It's still a losing record. But I think it still puts the, the Seahawks can feel good that they did compete, uh, given their quarterback situation. They'll still have a low enough, I think, between their draft pick and the draft pick that they got from the Broncos. They should be able to trade up if they wanted to to be able to get a franchise quarterback. So it gets to put them in good position for the future. Well, that's all we got for this episode, guys. It has been a pleasure to talk Hawks with you as always. You can follow the show at Ethos Seahawks. You can follow me on Twitter at Candace H901. That's C-A-N-D-A-C-E-H 901. As always, it was happy to talk Hawks. This is a good year, a good year. We got looking ahead, a bright future. I think the Seahawks are in position to compete this year, but to still put themselves in a great position to get a potentially franchise-changing quarterback in the draft. So a lot to look forward to. OTA is coming up. Uh, going through rookie mini camp right now so we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next episode but uh, for all that for now i'm out that's it and as always go hawks